This week on Retronauts, Matsuba means I love you. <laughs> hey everybody, uh, this is Bob Mackey with episode 17 Pocket of Retronauts. You might have heard Baldur's Gate with 17 Pocket, that's a bunch of lies. I don't know who told you that. Yeah. Uh, as I said before, I am Bob Mackey. Let's see who else is here. Who is uh, phoning in via satellite? It's Jeremy Meatbag Parish. Wow, uh, Meatbag. <laughs> meatbag. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll talk about that later. I'm not sure what you mean. But uh, Ray, who are you? <laughs> I always do this, don't I? <laughs> I'm Tom. Uh, whoa, whoa, what's happening? You uh, got it wrong again. Who's sitting across from me? It's Ray Barnholtz. Who are you, Ray? I'm... God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Who's next to me? Uh, I am Gary Butterfield of uh, Watch Out for Fireballs. Awesome. Also a bag of meat. Also, we're all bags of meat here, so we're getting a little punchy. I don't know why, but today's episode is about another world or out of this world. I'm going to be using those terms interchangeably because I've known it as out of this world, but I think by now it's another yeah. world officially. That's what it, all the new releases are called. Well, in Japan, it's outer world. It is, but uh, <laughs> we're not going. We're just going to ignore yeah, that. No, but, uh, that's it. Yeah, it's officially another world. Uh, there are many. I don't know. There's never been an explanation as to why it was changed. There was a soap opera at the time called Another World that I did watch with my grandma, so I can confirm <laughs> yeah, its existence. But, yeah, but and there, there was also a bad sitcom called Out of exactly. This world, so that yes. argument doesn't hold any weight. See, I, I, I have no idea why then. I mean... I think it just makes a better marketing name. Yeah, like, this game is out of this world. Yeah. I think yeah. they really liked the song from Final Fantasy X, and they were like, we should name... No, never mind. I <laughs> the, uh, mm. I, was, I mentioned to you before we started recording, it is the name of the 45 single released by ALF. The, That's uh, right. <laughs> Lynn was feeling down one day, and he wrote a song about how she's really out of this world. Okay, I'll put some of that in right here. Take a look at me and tell me what you see. Just another pretty face. Some club from out of town who came to hang around and look a little out of place. You say you wonder what on earth I'm doing here. I'm only here to tell you, girl. I may be an unknown from the twilight zone, but you're the one who's out of this world. And I hope you enjoyed that, just in, like, apropos of nothing. So, uh, let's talk about Another World. What is it? Well, it's a crazy, awesome, atmospheric, adventure, action. It's so many different things. Yeah. But, I mean, if you haven't seen it, we're going to give it a lot of context, but you might want to watch a video or something. It's definitely one of the highlights of the 90s and of all video game history. I am really being hyperbolic, but this mm. game is fantastic. So what Just is to be it? clear, well, we're, we're talking about Another World, not The Another World, which was Nino Kuni. Oh no, God, it's happening. <laughs> God damn. Yes, so Another World was originally developed for the Amiga and Atari ST uh, platforms and released in 1991 by Eric Shahi. And he is a very interesting character. Um, it saw a lot of ports, uh, but I think our listeners, uh, based on you know our demographic and sort of the comments we get, you guys probably know best from the console ports, which were pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little compromised. Serviceable. But, um, yeah, they were serviceable. And as I said, this was developed by Eric Shahi, who worked for Delphine Software. Is it mm -hmm. Delphine? Delphine? I, yeah. I'm assuming like Delphine. Like a Delphine. Delphine, yes. 
Um, he hasn't worked on too many games since, but this project was a complete labor of love that really just consumed his life for two years. This this game is just every element is a product of his devotion, um, from the box art to just the character itself, which is sort of like him, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> As a red, it's a dude yeah. working at the office late into the night. Hmm. Wonder where yeah. he got the inspiration for that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Delphine trusted Shahi to, you know, give him this much power over this concept. Maybe his pitch was amazing. Maybe they just knew this guy is going places. But I feel like there is a hidden or maybe not as well known sort of um I don't think these French developers get as much credit as they should because Shahi had another world and I think his name is Raynal. He had um Alone in the Dark. And those are two oh, extremely yeah. super, super influential games that a lot of modern games draw their uh, DNA from. And these guys are both French. I feel like French developers do not get the credit they deserve, and we're going to give them mm -hmm. their credit yeah. on this episode. No, there's some, yeah, there's some great French developers out there. Yeah, definitely. But even so, um, Shahi really drew um, inspiration from Jordan Mechner's games. So Prince of Persia and Karateka, both in the, um, the way the characters move, they have a very like heavy... Um, realistic sort of movement to them and uh, also in the way that these games use the language of cinema not necessarily text boxes or things like that just in the way that images can tell a story better than dialogue you know just the, just the art of like um, mise-en-scene and things like that so look those terms up because they're lots of fun and you can sound yeah. smart by saying them <laughs> yeah. so um, oh, go ahead Ray no, I was just going to say definitely some scenes in that game have that cinematic quality to oh it. yes definitely and uh, just, just some more background information um, I did watch the documentary that came with the 20th anniversary version on Steam which is great it's it's 10 bucks definitely well worth the uh, price of admission oh, yeah. and apparently Shahi was uh, directly influenced by the Amiga versions of Dragon's Lair which Watching it, it, it's just um, astounding that they were able to kind of reproduce the game as compromised as it was in that format. I mean, there was even a Game yeah. Boy Color version of Dragon's Lair <laughs> yes. later. and um, It's on everything. Another strange connection is that the way the guns charge up was influenced by Dragon Ball. So, uh, yes, that was pointed out in the documentary. He, he, yeah. he named Dragon Ball as yeah. the, the Kamehameha attack was sort of what inspired the laser guns in this game. Yeah, it makes sense. That was That was when it was... Uh, big over there. Yeah, yeah. I forgot like uh, French and uh, Japanese. Uh, a lot of cultural crossover with like manga and anime yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, Europe in general. Yeah, much more respect for the format than over here. So <laughs> the premise is pretty simple, uh, and this game is a very has a very uh, open to interpretation story that doesn't really burden you with explaining itself, which is great, and which uh, is not a trend that was popular then, and it's definitely not a trend that's popular now. So this is sort of a very unique game, even even now. So the premise is there's this character named Lester Knight Chaken, and he's a scientist, and the opening cutscene has him up, uh, driving up to his lab in his Ferrari, because he's obviously a very important guy, right. uh, going down into his secret lab, and he's, he's screwing around with a particle accelerator, and uh, lightning strikes... And uh, something happens, and it teleports him to another world. We're not sure if this is. I think he. Dimension. I think he activates a resonance cascade. Yes. 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 It's very half lifey. Yeah. Like, don't screw with particle accelerators. Adventurer kids. physicist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I like, yes, I like oh, how he. I like how he has a soda in the in that opening, and then you know he doesn't spill it on it. That that would have been great. That would be yeah. a more cheesier sort of yeah. movie. That was like, like um, Chekhov's soda can. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Wait till that third act. But so, since they do, um, the documentary has all the original objects they did the rotoscoping for. So he has the soda can. And yeah. He, like, right. Replicates the yeah. You know, the exact shot. And be, in there. being a being a small child when this game came out, like the soda can has the pull tab, and mm -hmm. I thought, well, like that's a futuristic soda can. It's like, <laughs> no, no, that's just another country soda can. Uh, yeah, I was not exposed to soda can technology. Uh, the history of that, mm -hmm. the it's time. also from the seventies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
So, uh, yeah, that's the premise. And from there, you basically guide Lester on a, a quest to survive because everything wants to kill him. I, like, I was telling Gary, this game should be called This Planet Sucks because uh, the sequel even more so. But it's just like, this is a, a terrible planet. Like, it's falling apart. Everything wants to kill you. It just everything is hostile from the second you uh, show up there. Well, the second you teleport into the world, you have to swim upwards. You are just taken by surprise as the character is. You don't know what to do. And if you don't swim up to the surface of the water, these tentacles will pull you under and kill you instantly. Yeah. And this game has a lot of really creative deaths. And I think that ties into the fact that this is this is like in, in in its own way an adventure game, like a very PC type adventure game. And Sierra games in particular were focused on how many ways can we kill you. In many in many respects, Sierra games are all about finding different ways to die. Um, so that's basically how I saw this. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, as far as its adventure game status. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a really good a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're not giving a point and click interface. You're giving a more immediate interface, like running, jumping, shooting. These are these are the this is the grammar of video games as you're used to it. Yeah, I but mean, that's the, that's kind of like a a style that had that has a deep tradition in video games. If you look at say Adventure or The Legend of Zelda, they're taking the the mechanics of RPGs and the concepts of RPGs and converting them into action game style. So it makes sense that, you know, people would do the same thing with other genres. So you have kind of the the point and click adventure suddenly becoming a platformer but feeling very different than other platformers of the time because it's you know it's using the the interface and the minimalism of action games the sort of no nonsense approach that uh, action game players are used to but doing something different with it and giving them a different experience right and even though this game had a, the sort of grammar of action games um even at the time, as a kid, I understood that, you know, games are basically uh, made out of, of a finite number of parts that can be arranged in, like, almost an infinite number of possibilities, like tile-based game design. But with Another World, it, it was more like an adventure game in that each each screen, I mean, this is kind of like a screen-by-screen game. Each screen is basically tailored to the constraints it's going to place upon you. Like, in one screen, you're going to be jumping across stalactites. Another screen, you're going to be avoiding something. Another screen, you're going to be rolling through these steam vents so things like yeah. that and uh <laughs> it's just like this really set piece based game design that i think is really dominant today but at the time it was completely novel you weren't just going through like an a, like an assemblage of tiles that were set up like this is the water level yeah. and these are these platforms yeah. so right. yeah I in mean, a lot um, of ways in a lot of ways uh another world falls back on sort of the uh pc platform games uh that you saw a lot of in europe in the 80s uh, you know, a lot of like Spectrum type games, Jet Set Willy and, and that kind of thing, where everything was screen by screen. But here it, it uses that, like you said, to kind of create these standalone set pieces. And not only that, but it also kind of pushes the form a bit by creating a sense of continuity and consistency across screen from like one, from one screen to another. A thread in one screen can can chase you into the next, which is something you really didn't see in those older kind of flip screen style action games. It was kind of like you got onto the screen, there was an obstacle, you got past it, you were onto the next obstacle in the next screen. But here there is this sort of sense of a greater continuity of the world just because of the way things can extend beyond the boundaries of the screen in which they originally appear. And that's something that uh, other games of this style uh, did a lot of kind of later on. Not that there were a lot of games like this, but you know, like the Odd World games did that a lot too. Oh and yeah, definitely. I can, yeah, I can the, see a the puzzles there. like it creates this really interesting puzzle dynamic because you have a set amount of information that you can see at once, but sometimes you have to sort of 
think back, like, what do I see on that other screen? Or how do I get to this point off in the distance by navigating through these other screens? Um, it's just a really interesting, almost retro, but at the same time, also forward thinking approach. Right. And I think the, the first basically three or four screens of the game are an excellent execution of that because you have to swim up to the surface. If, and if you don't, you'll die. And if you hang around the water too long, a tentacle will pull you in and you'll die. And if you go to the right and a slug bites you, you'll die. And if you go to the left, there's a chasm there. There's just a rope hanging. You're not even sure what that's for. But as soon as that giant black beast starts chasing you, um, you kind of have to put the pieces together in your mind. So there is yeah. this continuity between these screens that sort of um, they, they reinforce each other in mm-hmm. a way. And yeah. that rope is not functional when you don't need it, but when you do need it, it can be. Yeah. yeah. That kind of teaching you the, the style of the, um, the, rest, the rest of the game lends itself really well to that adventure uh, game kind of like trapping. So the, the closest thing this reminded me of when I first played it was Prince of Persia. I yeah. Prince of Persia. But Prince of Persia has uh, discrete stages and you have a life meter and you have lives and you have a time limit. So those things all run contrary to this kind of stiff control um, and and the kind of, uh, you know, that you need a greater sense of forgiveness, I think, for, for this kind of play play scheme, which you can get with an adventure game, which is meant to be a little bit trial and error. Right, right. Like, trial and error has a bad uh, kind of rep <laughs> as a thing, but it, it's yeah. not, it's no bad thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, a lot of this game is trial and error. Like, yeah. you go the wrong way in a section, you're screwed. <laughs> from it's from like, minute one. Yeah, yeah from <laughs> minute one. And uh, I was watching a Let's Play of this because I didn't have time to play it again, but I did just replay it last year. And a lot of the game is you as the player are doing things that make sense to you as the player, but yeah. not necessarily to the character. Like, I don't know why I'm destroying this wall other than the fact that it might come in handy later. Like, mm. the character himself would be like, I'm going to blow up this wall arbitrarily. Yeah. But there are, there are issues like that that sort of um, are, are, are not the, the... They haven't aged the best for this game, but it's still a completely unique experience um, even today. I think, I think it's okay to, to have yourself kind of screwed that easily as long as you redefine what screwed means right, right. to mean the minimum. You know, so especially in the later re-releases of this, they get very generous with checkpoints um, to where, you know, at most you're losing a couple screens worth of progress. Yeah, I feel like the, it should go without saying, but the re-releases have, are the, the ideal way to play this mm-hmm. game, um, especially the most recent one on Steam is just fantastic. And I even played through it on iPad, believe it or not, last year, and I got through it fine. Yeah. And, like, I was not expecting to because those gunfights can be brutal, but the last they time, made them easier. Yeah. Oh, last time I played it, it was a Retronauts lunch break. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were playing it with with, with me? Marty, I Oh, think. that's yeah. right. Okay. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was playing the Super Nintendo version. I heard you guys died a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I practiced as best I could the night before. So. Yeah. It could be, it could be tough. But, yeah. um, with okay, so there are some very video gamey elements in this that I feel help pad out the... Uh, the sort of adventure elements, and that is uh, gunplay. It's it's functional, but it can be frustrating. Yeah. Although they have made it a lot easier in recent years. Um, mm. the, like, all the gunplay is basically about force field maintenance, just keeping up your force fields and shooting yeah. through your force fields to destroy the guards. And they they die in pretty cool ways. I mean, you you see their skeleton before they die, which I think is kind of especially brutal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the sequel would be even more brutal. We'll talk about that soon. But, I call um, that bitching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love the way that the the gun is um, a utility item as opposed to just purely. Yeah, that's true. Like force fields and busting your way through things, and you you know you break rock formations, and you know it is it is really kind of an omni tool. For you as opposed to just a blaster. Right. I mean, like. um, you take what you can get in this world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you can also charge up the gun. There are these like charging stations. So, And I, I haven't said it before, but I feel like PC games had this more often. So it was odd to see in a console game. But this was sort of like a very relatable character. He was not athletic. 
No. He was not brave and strong. He was just trying to survive. And he, I mean, he was Richie Cunningham. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I feel like console games are like you're Mario, but you can like go wherever you want. You fireballs. This is just a regular guy in a very bad situation who gets the living crap beat out of him by the end of the game. And I feel like that was something that was especially interesting to me as a kid. It made this game a little, a little scary at times. Like this is just a regular guy, you know, and he's doing yeah. the best he can yeah. in this crazy world. So um, along with Lester, we also have Buddy. Um, I guess he's named in the instructions or something because there's no dialogue yeah. in this game. But yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> they actually later named him that. I think that. EA oh, okay, retroactively. Yeah, uh, Shaki yeah. never signed off on that name. Gotcha. Like, he never liked it. Well, we'll call him Buddy for the sake of discussion. But uh, he's Lester's alien pal. Uh, we don't have any idea why he's jailed, at least in this initial game, but uh, when Lester gets knocked out uh, initially at the beginning of the game, he wakes up in a cage with Buddy, yeah. and they sort of uh, plan their escape together, and I guess through Buddy, we, we learn the one word of this alien language, which is Matsuba, which means <laughs> let's do it, or let's go, or ra- radical, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's, Smurf. Um, yeah, exactly. Except there's there's <laughs> yeah. more than one word. Um, well, Gary makes it sound more Smurfy, right? He, he well, does. that's how he sounds in the in the game. It's yeah. it's a weird voice. It he's is this big hulking guy, and he has this like always, cartoon voice. Yeah, I always remember it a bit deeper, but okay. The yeah. uh, the guards have a dialogue as well, um, yeah. but they then they're deeper. It's not as distinct as the one as the one word yeah. ringing out. But they also say I, lo- I love you. <laughs> yeah, it does yeah, mean I love, you. I love you in a world where everyone loves each other this is what happens <laughs> but something that I feel that something like Half-Life Episode 1 did and it's sort of been a focus for video games after that I feel like the AI partner that we care about mm-hmm. um, we don't actually get to team up with Buddy a lot in this game as Lester but the moments that he's there are just very like oh my god there's someone in this world that does not want to kill me and especially because all the other guards look like Buddy and in fact there's, a, right. there's a moment in the game later where you think you see Buddy again and it's another guard I mean come oh, on Lester yeah. They don't all look the same. Let's get over that, buddy. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I know you just show up to the planet, but yeah. let's get serious. You here. have to take care of him, too. Like, it's not just him kind of saving your bacon. There's right. a couple of gates where if you don't stop to check in on him, you know, you, you get to see the parallel kind of movement through the planet. If you don't stop and help him out, and specifically, like, he's crawling through a gate and there's a, a lamp kind of, like, post-strut right, that's in right. his way that you have to shoot out of the way. And then he won't be there to save you later. Like, they really set up that code So there's, like, there's like, a mutual relationship you yeah. have with him. But it's still nice to see that, that, that friendly face anywhere in the universe. And another thing I want to point out about this game is that it has a great sense of uh, dark humor to it, just in the many ways you can die. And in, oh, sure. in one moment, you're, like, trapped in this tank. And there, and the, the entire puzzle is just, like, there's 30 buttons in front of <laughs> yeah. you. You have to figure out how to work this alien piece of machinery before you get blown up. And it's just, like, I just feels like it's an incredible moment of dark humor. Just like, yes. and it just you're being confronted with this incredible technology, but you have to escape as soon as you can. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, and the ending uh, is open to interpretation. I mean, uh, what happens? And this is, I mean, the game is like thirty to forty minutes long, so you can easily watch it. But if you're good, yeah, yeah if you're good, if you're good. <laughs> if not, it could take weeks. But uh, basically, Lester is uh, he could be fatally injured. We're not sure, but he sort he of did. crawls to safety, and he and Buddy escape. Where do they escape to? Who knows? Did they make it? I don't know. The Heart of the Alien says that they do, but it also has a really downer sort of ending that we'll, we may talk about that soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, everything about this game that made it interesting was the fact that nothing was explained. It was all up to interpretation, and I feel like if made today and if this was not an indie game today, there would be, like, an appendix, like, the Mass Effect, like, Buddy is an alien who is your friend. He's part of the Matuvians who live 800 years, and this is their uh-huh. mating ritual. Just like, no. And then you get an achievement for reading all these uh, entries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I like the fact that it's like you don't know what's happening. You don't know why there's this conflict on the planet. Right. Uh, you don't know who these creatures are. Uh, it just and it, it makes it makes this sort of haunting, sorrowful, sorrowful atmosphere even even more effective because there's no explanation. You'll never know. And 
yeah, it's, I don't know, how do you guys yeah. feel about this? Yeah, it's all told through kind of hints. You know, there, there's um, kind of an observatory area that you can get to that's optional where you can kind of look out onto the city and then you know, see that's ruined. And you know that the, the guy who, you know, Buddy is a member of the same race. Right, you know? So right. you know there's some kind of civil strife. And you, uh, you see the gladiatorial kind of arena there and you, you kind of get this sense of, of the world, you know, kind of a world past, you know, past its peak. A little bit, right? Um, just through those little little bits, and I and I love it. And you know, the ending being this, just kind of, I always kind of read it as, uh, you know, he had a like a back injury. You know, at the end, he when he crawls towards the levers, like he can't move his legs. Right, right. You know, he's this is this is not. And then then the the karaoke track from that Fun Boy Three song kind of pops in for the music, like it's <laughs> this like synth pop, like yeah, yeah, you know, kind of thing, I, and just right off into the sunset. I'm yeah. afraid I'm not familiar. I, <laughs> I think that was like, they yeah. took away so much of your power in the ending, and it was, that's what made it so effective. Like, you were never crawling, like a dying person crawling to safety at the end of any game at the mm-hmm. time, yeah. and that yeah. was just so, just like so like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And especially for like a console game, that just felt incredibly violent and brutal, but mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, it was there for a reason. I feel uh, like Jeremy a, and Ray. Yeah, I feel oh, like okay. a lot of the things that you see in another world are things that other games have kind of uh, picked up on and, and tried to create more, you know, more recently. Like the sort of, um, you know, a story that ends up being a little bit touching despite the fact that it's entirely pantomime. Like that's why people love Super Metroid. And that's something mm-hmm. that was totally lost in, say, Super or in, in Metroid Fusion. Like you have the same kind of evocative world, but then you have someone telling you about every little detail that you you experience and both of those games have in common the fact that you have sort of a solitary hero who forms a connection with another being and there is like no real communication between them but they still like form this bond and i I feel like that sort of thing is something you see done a lot in games now with like bioshock infinite or the last of us you know like the idea is you've got this kind of loner hero and here's a girl that you want to protect um, like it's kind of going with the, the lowest common denominator approach to the whole thing. And right. at the same time, it's also over explaining it and it just doesn't work as well. Like there's something very simple and very direct about this that I feel works a lot more effectively than much more try hard games have done. And even something like taking away, you know, disempowering the, the protagonist at the very end, like that's totally something say Metal Gear Solid 4 you know, like strip away all your powers at the very end and, and kind of create this more intense visceral experience by uh, by reducing what you can do, by taking away all the powers you become accustomed to. But again, in a lot of ways, it's more effective here than, you know, Solid Snake crawling through the microwave corridor and turning into a Hot Pocket. Yeah, I was thinking of that, like, as soon as I brought that up, just like, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about how Kojimos was inspired by the game. But Ray, did you have anything to add as far as the... Um no, I mean, in general, I love it. And I think it's you know a great example of one like the earliest uh, artistic games. Right, right. And to, again, like you sort of said, to see it on a console is kind of astounding back then, especially. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a good, good, good game. Yeah, I feel like it, it could be like a modern indie game. It is yeah. still that well-crafted. Um, and it kind of is because it's available on Steam for 10 bucks. But and uh, I think, like, didn't Shahi, like, make it all by himself? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, somebody I mean, helped with music, but it was it was just him for, like, two years. Yeah. Up, like, there, he, he slaved over the box art, even. If you watch the documentary, here's, like, there are, like, 20 versions of the box art. I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. this was his magnum opus at, like, age 30 or age 27 or however old he was um, when he yeah. made it. I mean, and, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened now <laughs> yeah yeah crazy
Okay, so let's talk about the sequel really quick, and then we'll talk about like sort of the influence. So the sequel was 1994's Heart of the Alien. Heart of the Alien. Exclusively for Sega CD. And yeah. uh, Shahi gave his uh, permission and his blessing, but they sort of, he said, I, I want to see a sequel that takes place, you know, a concurrent timeline that shows the alien side of things. But I, I guess they interpreted that as, no, we're just going to have you play as the alien. <laughs> so the game takes place directly after... Um, Directly after Out of This World, or Another World, and, you know, Lester and Buddy land in Buddy's old village. And I guess the entire the entire um, adventure is Buddy getting revenge against the guy who sort of led the uprising that destroyed his village. Uh, yes. And uh, just in general, it seems to be like a very mean-spirited game. Um, very brutal. I mean, if the first game was This Planet Sucks, this game is This Planet Really Sucks. It feels <laughs> like levels are like make Super Meat Boy look like, you know, a walk in the park. Just like there's steam vents, there's spikes, there's things shooting acid at you. <laughs> oh, dear. It is yeah. just like brutal. And I'll tell you what, like if you're at one sick ticket that gets off on torture porn, you will love this game. <laughs> Because um, ah, lavishly, lavishly detailed death scenes. <laughs> like, uh, I watched one. Okay, I was watching a Let's Play of this the other night, and uh, Buddy gets hit with steam, and like he starts blowing up from the inside, and it, and it, everything is just depicted in <laughs> stunning detail until he leaves just a smear behind, like a bloody smear. And when he gets dissolved in acid, you see the layers of his flesh just peel off. Yeah. Like I don't know. I mean, like. Yeah. The uh, the the violence in um, Another World was sort of like a Coen Brothers movie, just like brutal and instant and over. In yeah. this game, it was like yeah. it really lingered on the violence. Mm. Which well, um, it, it's, it struck me as somebody got the the wrong idea. Yeah, right? definitely. Because so it was written, um, yeah, it was made shit. with with Chahi's approval, but not his involvement. Right. And it's like someone played Out of This World or Another World and thought, wow, it's really neat the ways you could die. It's not neat the way it feels <laughs> lonesome and, and horrible. No, like, no, it's not no. the way that it makes me feel like crap, um, which is, you know, what I took from it that right. I really liked. It's a very mean-spirited game, and spoilers if you yeah. care about uh, this game, but you really shouldn't because no one cares about it. Uh, Lester is basically killed on accident or by accident in the game, and it's sort of like um, an afterthought and sort of like not really called attention to. He's just sort of like accidentally thrown into this electricity chamber and he just gets turned into ashes, and that's the end of Lester. Just like the yeah, guy you spent yeah. so much time as in the initial okay. game. And um, there's a really good um, if you play the the very beginning of Heart of the Alien. There's a really good example of the difference between the two games. In the beginning of Another World, you start off and you see the beast kind of in the background, and it's going about its business, and you feel this looming presence. And yeah. when it shows up. It's it's a big deal. In Heart of the Alien, you go one screen to the left, and it's just sitting there. Yeah. It's just the same thing, hey, but buddy. it's just staring at you, and you just have to run away from it and and do the same thing. There's no buildup. There's no sense of tension or anything. It's just right there. Yeah, mm. and um, I have to say, like, this game, I, there, there, was some, there was some rotoscoping in the original Out of This World, but it was used to a very limited capacity. In this game, it's overused to the fact where it looks like in the cutscenes, the actors are just kind of Mario painted over. And there's one scene <laughs> with, like, Lester reaching towards the camera for something, and it looks like a guy with, like, just a creepy Lester mask. <laughs> it's really, really off-putting. Like, the rotoscoping went way too far. It's like Ralph Bashke level uh, rotoscoping. They look over-animated, like those uh, CDI Zelda games like yeah, the way they're always over gesturing yeah, yeah. like yeah especially like all the animations in the game like they're, everyone's having like a weird little dance party yeah. when they're walking <laughs> around uh yeah. yeah so i mean anything I, else about the sequel before we move on yeah uh, have you seen the box art yeah oh my <laughs> Talk god about dark yeah Boy. <laughs> just yeah. like uh he got, like the, their depiction of buddy i, I like he looks like a frankenstein as simon belmont yeah just like that is not appealing i mean <laughs> I prefer the, the more abstract, sort of like polygonal, like sketchy abstract look of the characters in the original, yeah. but uh, with more detail, they just are hideous. Yes. Yeah. And then lightning bolts emitting from his chest for some reason. <laughs> yeah, who knows what's it's happening It's the heart there. of the alien. 
Okay. Right yes, I, yeah. apparently it is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Here's lightning. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, watch a Let's Play of it, and there are a few on the internet. It's fun to watch just because it is so brutal, so sadistic. You're like, I'm happy I'm not playing this game. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like it's not fun at all, even to like see what happens to Buddy. I, I Like I said, I told you Lester is killed unceremoniously. Buddy gets revenge, which I guess is now the point of every video game. <laughs> so might as well have uh, it yes. happen back there, too. So. Yes, so um, maybe Buddy is a bald space marine. After oh all. my god, he yeah. maybe oh he was one of the first. Wow. So what happens if you he shave a space bald marine? Space marine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got a buddy lurking within our hearts, yeah. uh, not hearts of the alien though. So another world. Yeah, and speaking uh, of speaking of space marine, the the way they just sort of unceremoniously kill the protagonist of the first game is totally an Aliens three moment. It's like it shows the same disregard uh, oh, for yeah. the audience that oh, okay. uh, j- just you know killing Newt and Hicks. In their uh, in their hypersleep chambers before the movie even begins, shows. Yeah, I, I'm never a fan of that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the. Well, this game had like an immeasurable impact on um, storytelling in games. There are a few things we can trace it to directly, just because of interviews. I mean, obviously, uh, Fumito Ueda from uh, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. Is it Ico or Ico? It's Ico. It's Ico. Sorry, I've been doing I keep that saying for five Ico. Episodes. I know. <laughs> Ico. So obviously, like Ico and Out of This World. Um, I mean, like. So many correlations. We have a, a story open to interpretation, yeah. very little spoken dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a, an AI partner who we're separated from from time to time and who helps us and we help them as well. And he stated in interviews, like, this was a major Im- influence on me in my life. And just like Eric yeah. Shahi, he's only made a few games. Yeah. Uh, that's probably also why I like Eco so much, too. And bet more than Shadow of the Colossus as well. Mm, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Shadow of the Colossus was much more, much more gamey. Yeah, um, I, and I like it a lot, but I can see Eco is definitely the direct like lineage of another world. Yeah, another uh, developer, uh, obviously Kojima, and we talked about the scene in Metal Gear Solid Four where Snake is crawling through the microwave tunnel. But there's also scenes in all the games where Snake gets living crap beaten out of him, and we're kind of like disempowered as the player. Yeah. And uh, Suda51, which I can't really see too much there, but apparently, I mean, maybe just in the oddness of the worlds he I creates. Guess. I mean, yeah. The lack just of like, explanations. At least in the beginning, when Grasshopper didn't suck so much, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm with you there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, nowadays, his games have more of the um, heart of the alien about them. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh-huh. More like heart of yeah. the pervert. Let's move on to uh, another game, Limbo, I can say. That's basically like <laughs> the, the next generation of Out of This World, right? I yes. mean, it's mo- much more gamey. But uh, nothing is explained, no dialogue. Uh, it's Like I said, it's much more gamey. The mechanics are sort of the same from screen to screen, but I can definitely see a, a connection there. Uh, any, anything else can we think about as you know direct correlation to Out of This World or Another yeah, World? Yeah, gosh. I mean, well, I, his I, next I, game. Oh, Jeremy, go ahead. I was going to say I mentioned um, Super Metroid. I don't know if, if uh, Sakamoto and crew were actually inspired by Another World, but the the whole pantomime uh narrative just it feels very similar and i don't know like that was three years after another world uh yeah like you said there was that kind of crossover between france and and japan in terms of pop culture so you know it's entirely possible that they looked at at what uh what chahi did with uh, another world and said this is what we need to do to kind of create that sense of isolation and alienation within metroid but still have a story then again maybe it's just i could a see that it's just convergent evolution yeah who knows i could see that definitely i can see the the, the dna of this game in many other games especially super metroid but ray you're bringing it up um 
there is a follow-up to another world, and no, it's not flashback. Uh, Delphine Software sort of took the same sort of uh, atmospheric world and, uh, you know, realistic character movement and applied that, and laser guns, of course, yeah. mm-hmm. and applied that to a new series. But, what, uh, Ray, do you want to talk about what, what, is, the, what is the sort of um, follow-up to another world by Shahi himself? Right. That was Heart of Darkness. Right. And that was... Of the alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, one thing before you continue, French guys, quit naming your games after important works of literature like Beyond Good and Evil and Heart of Darkness. Yeah, what is They're that? They're already books, guys. We've that? already covered that yeah. territory, but uh, go ahead, Ray. And this is definitely not like the book. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but it is, uh, it is a two D adventure uh, game, much like uh, this world is. But uh, yeah, I mean, it uses enhanced graphics and things. It's very thirty two bit ish in that sense. I'm really not explaining the app well at all. In but. development for maybe six years. Like yeah, this game uh, kind of destroyed Shahi and his uh, his studio, which I believe was called Amazing Studios or something like that. Yeah. It was the only thing that they put together. That's and, really um, what I wanted to get at. Okay, that, yeah. It was just yeah. It took too long, and it, then at that point, it's just like what? No, oh, right. Yeah, and I mean, it has like this game is all about a child being murdered, basically, because <laughs> yeah, it has the same tons of fun tons of fun for the whole family um you play as a little kid whose dog gets kidnapped and then you ride the little kid's spaceship to another yeah. world but not the another world and they um, look cartoony is the thing it's very yeah. cartoony yeah, yeah it's God. super cartoony and uh there are so many lavishly drawn death scenes you can watch a child get strangled dissolved in acid whatever whatever is your uh, preference this, this is why i i love french video games but their animation is just uh, yeah unsettling <laughs> their work in animation needs to uh, yeah yeah i mean like in this game it was more silly and dopey instead of like the melancholy and haunting atmosphere of another world i feel like i'm not sure what he was calling back to but i feel by the time this game actually came out it was so dated 98 was sort of like video game edginess was really taking off maybe in 95 this game would have been more accepted but it was uh, a little dated by the time it came out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's, you know, it's all hand drawn um, or, you know, kind of 2D animation, classical animation, as opposed to uh, a 3D game, I think also really made it a hard sell for the PlayStation audience. And again, the fact that it's basically like the horrible dark version of Calvin and Hobbes doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> and if you look at the character, he might as well be friggin' rascal, you know? I mean, it's just like the 90s uh, you know, little kid, you know, showing up. Yeah. It doesn't really show you. Yeah. This is the out-of-this-world guy. Oh, sorry, Gary, do you have something? Uh, no, I was just gonna say it's a little bit more of a direct, because I know uh, Dragon's Lair was a huge influence on him, and that kind of cartoony treatment of death, and yeah, frequent death. I can, I can see that, too. It was a little bit like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I didn't care for it too much. I was really excited when I found out it was the same guy yeah. um, back in the day, but I don't I don't like this game very much. I, I didn't play yeah. it. Um, I watched a Let's Play, but not too long ago. It's fun to watch. I'll say that at least because mm. it seems very frustrating and very trial and error. And <laughs> so it's with, always good to watch someone else play. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm not the one who's dying. It's yeah. that guy. But yeah, this is sort of like ruined Shahi in a way. Like I feel like whatever happened on this project really, you know, gave him a distaste for the gaming industry in general. And since then, he's sort of just been like cultivating his own works um i mean he's been sort of um re-releasing out of this world in another world uh on his own i think uh there was a 15th anniversary edition and a 20th anniversary edition yeah and they're essentially the same i think um maybe some added extras i'm not yeah. aware of uh he did make from dust that came out in 2011 i have not played this game have any of you no okay yeah, briefly i mean it's it's not at all like no what yeah. what he makes it's more really. of a god game yeah in a way although it's a thing where you well, I mean, yeah, it is a kind of a god game like Populous in that you really shape, the, you literally shape the world and stuff, and you make these uh, nice places for these different sorts of tribes to live in and survive and things. Uh, it, there's more 
details beyond that. It's not exactly like populous or anything, but uh, yeah, it's an all right game. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, they, 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 they still, they still sell it. They still sell I mean, it. You know, I, it, I mean, one it hasn't been things, taken off the market. I mean, it's one of those things where Ubisoft just keeps pushing it in one way or another. Like you right, might get right. it free in some way or heavily discounted in another. So it's I mean. good to see him. Um, God, it's just good to see him making things again because he spent most of a decade working on heart of darkness and I yeah. feel like that was a major waste of someone who is apparently extremely talented based on what he's done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can't. I can't recommend From Dust. I think it's, it has good reviews, but I'm sure it's super cheap on Steam now. You can probably get it for like a dollar. Sure. On a yeah. sale. Yeah. Whenever it pops up, if you want to support Shahi, that's probably the best way to do it. Buy. I would say buy the uh, Out of This World, um, Another World, uh, Enhanced Edition or whatever they call it, 20th Anniversary Edition. And it is it is called Another World on Steam, so I think officially now it is Another World. Yeah. Out of this world was like a weird marketing fluke, or however it came about, you know, to be called that. Well, I so. mean, it had like two different publishers as well. Yeah, Interplay, yeah. right? And, and then like US Gold. No, Virgin published the Genesis version. Okay, right? so yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, and that's and when you talk about that. So there are a lot of different versions of it, and that's definitely the one to go to because a, most of the versions on the console, so the, the Genesis and Super Nintendo versions are all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of later, there's a 3DO version that's really gross to look at. And yeah. has really bad sound. And um, just a note, that had an extended ending, which, which actually... Which sets out part of the Alien, yeah. which didn't come out on the 3DO. No, no, no. Which is what? real weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it also has, I was watching on YouTube, the 3DO version has tons of Easter eggs. There are mini games you can unlock with weird. passwords. And there's a level that's completely dark. Huh. That you can go through. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually, that reminds me. I didn't add the fact that the console version had uh, like an expanded level section where there was more shooting. Mm. So um, <laughs> it's it's not a lot extra, but I think uh, Chahi um, he gave his permission. But there was one thing. Like, was there something about, about the music? Like, they didn't want to keep the music. Maybe yeah. you can explain that, Gary. Like, yeah, he EA, pulled a, 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 an e prank. <laughs> yeah, EA, EA wanted to replace all of the music um, when they first ported it. I think for Super Nintendo, but they were going to kind of do that moving forward. And uh, Eric Chahi was furious about it and uh threatened to create an infinite fax for them that just said please you know keep music same <laughs> right and just uh tape two ends of a piece of paper and fax it to them and to all their fax machines until i think, they he, I paper. think he actually did do that until he, he was the, called and he was like they should just talk to us i think that i think his lawyer talked worked it out okay i good. think that's one of those like video game urban legends that he actually did okay, it. i think it was just it. a threat but yeah. his, his lawyer was like ah don't, you know don't don't do that but he got his way which is good, except for the new sections of the game had new music. That was the compromise right, right. they went to. And I'm not sure. There's some issue with the music. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if it's been corrected with the newest version, but I, I knew that like there were some rights issues with previous re-releases, which is strange because he just worked with one other guy. I'm not sure if that yeah. guy was demanding the, the like, documentary makes it seem like they're, you know, yeah. the only person he knows. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, he's, yeah. So yeah, I guess final thoughts. Um, I'm Jerry Springer for now, but uh, <laughs> final thoughts. Yeah, play this game. Uh, at least watch a playthrough of it. It's extreme. It's really, really important to uh, the the future of game design from 1991 onwards. And it drew from some very interesting sources. So I, I say this is a very important game, and I and I think it's still very playable today. Maybe a little more trial and error than you would like from a modern game, but at the same time, it's very forgiving with checkpoints if you play the newer versions. Um, what does everybody think? Like I said, I love it. Ray loves it. Yeah, it's Jeremy. a classic. Yep. Yep. Gary. I also love it. It is a golden oldie. And it is, it is something that, uh, yeah, I, I loved it at the time and I, I loved revisiting it for the show. Awesome. So. Well, I should say this this request came in from a guy named Gary Butterfield. And he wrote Hello. in to say, hey, Bob, <laughs> what? can we talk about another world? And I was like, okay. <laughs> because I needed to talk about something. Oh, today. my God. So and Bruce Willis was from. dead all along? Yeah. Um, 
And it turns out M. Night Shyamalan was not talented. So that was a twist ending. <laughs> so wrapping up, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, twitch.tv as Retronauts. So follow us on all of those platforms. You can find out everything we're doing, if we're coming to your town, if we're going to be breaking into your house. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll go that far, but things, things could get desperate for us. And also, please go to our blog at retronauts.com for all kinds of great extra stuff. We talk about... We, we put up videos related to the shows. We let you know what music we use. There's links related to things we talk about. And you can always leave us comments, and we usually get back to you if you're nice. So please do that. Also, please leave us reviews in the iTunes Music Store. Everyone helps. That helps us be more visible to people who might not know about us. So if you want us to keep doing this, if you want our audience to grow, and if you want to be a real Retromania head, then leave us a review. Yes. And that's it. Uh, as far as contact info goes, I am Bob Servo on Twitter, B-O-B-S-E-R-V-O. And you can read my stuff at uh, Something Awful and US Gamer. Uh, Jeremy, where can we find you? I'm also at US Gamer, and I'm on Twitter as GameSpite. And I have a blog called two-dimensions.com. It's fun. excellent. And uh, Gary, where do you hail from? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Gary Buh, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Um, and then I do the Watch Out for Fireballs podcast, um, which is kind of a retro games club um, podcast. And you can find that show and a bunch of other shows I do at duckfeed.tv. That comes highly recommended for me. Right? <clears throat> I'm constantly reminded of uh, when I forget to mention these things about iTunes and Twitter when I host a show. <laughs> uh, oh, and also, I am on Twitter. R-D-B-A-A-A. That's, that's about all I'll say for now. Cool. Well, we'll be back next week with a brand new full-length episode, but until then, Matsuba. Matsuba. Matsuba.